0: Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Death Discussion for another Monday night. It is. Oops, somebody came on and they're talking Northern Louisiana. I see uh, noise coming from yours and Yvonne. I got noise coming from yours. Uh, But I'd like to welcome everybody to. Dallas debt discussion. That's what this is. This is just a conference call Discussing Debt. And it is already the 12th day of September. So, you know, it's amazing. We're almost halfway through the month. But uh, time flies and you're having fun. Before you know it, the, I'll uh, see the trick-or-treaters out. And then uh, two days later, they'll uh, they'll be carving turkey. And uh, uh, three days after that, uh, good old St. Nick will be visiting everybody. And it seems like that's about how quick everything goes. So. Anyway, we are here to discuss debt issues. That's why this is called Dallas Debt Discussion. We don't give legal advice because we have no earthly idea what it is. That's something that lawyers provide. And uh, we don't know what it is, much less how to dispense it, so we don't dispense it. If that's what you are looking for, please hang up and go find yourself a bar-licensed attorney because they are the ones that can dispense the legal advice. We don't. We just simply discuss the court systems, the consumer protection statutes, the use of the courts, proper use of the courts, and uh, how to deal with people's situations. We're here to educate people, to help people resolve issues that they're, they're having. So uh, that's the whole purpose of this call. That's what it's always been. We're in our eighth year. And as most of you know, we never miss a Monday night. I'm always here. You know, it's your call, but I'm just the one that makes sure I'm here to push the buttons and uh, make it happen every week so that uh, everybody can interact and they can get information that they need. Uh, you'll hear some of the moderators uh, John, myself, uh, Terry. Uh, Jesse, if he comes on, uh, might be talking about a situation and that somebody has and we might say something to the effect, uh, well, you want to do this or you want to file that or do this or do that. Please understand the context in what we're saying there. The context is if we were in your position, if we were in your shoes or in a similar situation, that's what we would do. We're, we're not giving advice. We never give advice. We make suggestions on what people uh, might do to resolve a problem or where they might go to find information. But we want to make that always want to make that very very clear. We're not here as somebody that, uh, as a group of people that, oh, we just go read a bunch of stuff on the internet and boy, it sounds really good. And man, you know, you can really kill them with this and You know, all that kind of nonsense. No, all of the moderators are litigators, and we all litigate in federal court, some of us more than others. We litigate on various things, TCPA, FCRA, FDCPA, and uh, it possibly could be UDAP, Unfair and Deceptive Acts and Practices is what UDAP is, but it's focused around the consumer protection statutes. And the whole idea is that they don't teach you about this in school. And there's a reason why they don't teach you about this stuff in school, and uh, the reason is very, very clear. They want you to go hire a lawyer. If you have a problem, you have something you need to deal with, they want you to go hire a lawyer so that they can make a lot of money. That's all that it's about. It's a captive uh, deal. It's a uh, country club type of thing. You've got to be a member. Oh, and to be a member, you got to spend maybe a quarter of a million dollars on college tuition to law school and all that kind of stuff. Well, we've already proven that we can learn uh, a lot without going to law school. I don't have any student loans. Never have had. But I've learned a little bit about the consumer protection statutes and the use of the courts. And for anybody that's new on the call that thinks, well, you know, yeah, they probably, uh, probably filed one lawsuit and, you know, that's, that's our experience. Well, I can personally say that right now I have 107 federal lawsuits active. 106 of those are against the same company.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the amazing yeah. part. Yeah.
0: And uh, the, uh, the other one is against a, a different company. And those are all TCPA-related, Telephone Consumer Protection Act. And, you know, Terry, one of the things that uh, – I was uh, thinking about is, and we haven't done a lot of this lately and we need to do this because we've always got new people coming on I think it, it really behoove us to make a point of talking a little more about some of the basic things regarding litigating over these uh, statutes you know, the FCRA, the FDCPA TCPA Because there are some very basic things for people to learn. Now, please understand, everyone, that this is not a substitute for becoming a member of Jesse's website and learning about this stuff in its entirety. We're going to talk about some general basic things that people need to know. But make no mistake about it, you need to become a member of Jesse's website. Now you're going, well, well sure, sure, sure. Be, become a member of his website for what? Well, so that you can learn. Jesse's website, uh, Jesse is a friend of mine, friend of all of ours. Uh, he put together a website about six years ago, and uh, it has more information than, uh, about the debt collection industry and how to deal with it. Uh, everything from foreclosures to uh, being sued over credit cards, uh, debt collectors chasing you. There's information there about uh, asset protection, you know, protecting your money and all that kind of stuff. There's a, an enormous amount of information in the website. It is a members-only website. It does cost you a little bit to be a member because websites don't come free. Hosting doesn't come free full-time, and I do mean full time. Webmasters don't come free. Webinars don't come free. So there is a minimal cost. And, and Jesse has a special deal on I think it's about ready to go off. He didn't tell me. He hasn't fessed up to me as to exactly what date it's going to be changed. But uh, for the last few months, he has had it where you can join the website for a dollar for the first week. And then after that, it's forty nine dollars a month for as long as you want. to uh, Be a member. Uh, there's no commitments. You know, it's not like you got to sign up for six months or a year or anything like that. And uh, the best part is, it's got a sixty day money back guarantee with it. And you can use it for fifty nine days. And if you decide, for whatever reason, it's not for you, just follow the procedure, and you get your money back. No questions asked. No, you know, complaining or anything else. The the bottom line is you have no risk. Now, when I say it changed to a dollar for the first week, for years and years and years and years, since the very beginning, it was $99 for the first month, and then $49 a month after that for as long as you wanted to be a member, still with the 60-day money-back guarantee. But he has run a long-term promotion since, jeez, I think it was real early in the year. That uh, he threw it out there for a dollar for the first week, but he did make that announcement recently, and uh, he mentioned to me that is going away. It's, I guess, it's going back to $99 for the first month. So if you have been listening, if you're thinking about becoming a member, if I were in your shoes, I'm, I'm not, but if I were in your shoes, I think I'd go ahead and pay the buck and get in there and have my membership going and save me $98 and start studying. Now, to get to Jesse's website is very simple. All you got to do is open a browser and type in knockoutcollectors.tors.net. Don't uh, do a search for it; that'll create more problems than it'll solve. Just open a browser and type in knockoutcollectors.net, and it'll take you right to Jesse's site. And you can—all you got to do is hit the Join Now button. There's the red button's right on the main page when you get there. But you can't go wrong because there's no risk. You know, you've got 60 days to use it. And we've had people that have come in and dealt with their issues in less than 60 days. But I'm not telling you you're going to learn everything you need to, to know to be effective in doing this in 60 days. In fact, I'll tell you, you absolutely are not. You're not going to really learn what you need to, to do for everything. But the whole idea of these calls that we do on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights is to help answer questions for people because when you go into the website we realize there's a ton of information there we know because we contribute to it we do the webinars we add stuff there's a you you have to go there and see it to believe it there's absolutely nothing else like it anywhere on the web bar none period and uh the uh the whole thing is you go there and you study and then when you have questions as to how what you're learning about applies to your particular circumstances or situation or you know what, what's going on with you, that's what these calls are for so that you can come on and ask questions and we can help direct you in the, uh, dir- you know, w- what you might want to do to be able to deal with your situation. Again, we don't give advice. We make suggestions on, on what we would do if we were in your position. Uh, If we don't know something, and believe me, we're not know-it-alls, we're not experts. If we know it, we know it. If we're pretty sure we know it, we'll say, I'm pretty sure on that, but to be sure you might want to check so-and-so and and -and such-and-such place. But we are litigators. We do speak from a fairly substantial amount of experience of dealing with the courts collectively. So it's not like we're just, you know, grabbing stuff out there that we've read somewhere and we're studying a book and uh, all that kind of stuff, and then we're spouting that information here. No, we're, we're OJT. And the uh, the other part of it is that we haven't been to paralegal school. So if we can learn this stuff, most anybody can learn it. You know, I'm not the brightest bulb on the string, but I've learned a lot and uh, I've taught a lot of people, and I'm tickled to death with that. People have had a lot of success. The success checks that are listed on the success part of the forum and the website speak for themselves. We have, I don't know how many checks are in there, well over 100. And, And we have a lot of people that get checks that don't post in there they you know, they just kind of want to keep things private. They they don't want to put something out there, or maybe they've got an agreement. I've had a number of things that I've settled where I can't post anything in there, but I've got a whole bunch of them posted in there myself of the successes I've had. But I've gotten to the point now that a lot of these people out here know me, and they don't want me saying anything. They don't want me promoting their stuff. So they, I can tell you that they've put some pretty tight... Uh, language in the settlement agreements that I've been signing in more recent times, like, you can't say a peep. And I don't, because, you know, if I sign an agreement, I live by it. I mean, that's the way this works. We expect them to live by things. You have to learn to live by it, too. So uh, there's things that I've settled and, uh, you know, checks that I've gotten, some of them quite quite large, that There's no record of them in there, but there's plenty that are there. So it's living proof that uh, people can do this. A number of people can do it. It's not just the moderators that do it. There's tons of other people. And we've got people, multiple people, not just moderators here, but multiple other people that are in the six figures and multiple six figures of money that they have collected in settlements. So this is very real. It takes your work and your determination and your willingness to eat the elephant one bite at a time, and that's what we refer to when you go into the website. If you try and cram everything in in 48 hours and think you're going to learn everything that you need to know to deal with maybe being sued over a credit card, you're only kidding yourself. You are not going to learn everything you need to learn to deal with that situation you know, in 48 or 72 hours. You can learn a lot, but you won't learn everything you need. And that's why we have these calls, again, to come on here to answer your questions. We don't get paid for this. This is all done free. I've been doing this for over seven years. Terry's been out here for years. John's been out here for years. Jeff was with us for years. Unfortunately, uh, Jeff passed on in July, and uh, we all... Definitely do miss him and all his contributions and the daily conversations we had with him. But um, there's a lot of people that have contributed. Jesse has put an immense amount of work into this. Larry's put work into it. Uh, Gary, the the webmaster, he works full-time. I mean, his full-time job is taking care of this website. So there's a lot of people involved behind the scenes here. You have to go into the uh, website itself to see how many hundreds of webinars are archived in there because every webinar that we do is archived so that you can go back and play it over and over and over. And if there are documents that have been presented uh, at the time of the webinar, they're all available in there for download. So uh, we don't uh, provide templates for things as such because a lot of things uh, in the legal realm are you write it from scratch it's you learn the idea of how to write a legal document whether it's a uh, a complaint or a, a motion to dismiss or you know a motion for uh, uh, enlargement of time to answer a complaint all these kind of different things it's not as difficult as you might think and I, and I do remember personally when I first got started with this with Jesse I thought there is no way on God's green earth that I can learn all this stuff. Me in federal court? You have got to be kidding me. Me in federal court? That was on the 18th of April. I filed my first lawsuits. I believe it was the 10th of June. And I've been doing it ever since. And I've learned and learned and learned as I've gone on the way. I've made some mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. We try and keep those to a minimum, but nobody is perfect, including me, Terry, Jesse. Jesse's made errors, so has Larry, John. We're not perfect, but we make a diligent effort to learn when we make a mistake so that we don't repeat it. Unfortunately, there's some people out here that don't do such a good job of that. The... they take their responsibility with dealing with the courts a little too lightly and they they don't pay attention to a lot of the details and that's one of the things when you deal with the legal system you have to pay attention to details it's just the way it is if you don't that's an
1: understatement
0: you're you're sunk and the way that the uh, lawyers beat pro se litigants almost all the time is on procedural things that the pro se's screw up on. They don't know how to do things. They don't follow the rules. They don't respond to motions in the, the amount of time. They uh, don't provide disclosures that they're required to do at certain times. And, uh, you know, this is just part of the game. But I, all I can say is from my personal perspective, uh, for the amount of time I've put into this, even even the extensive amount of time that I've put in helping teach all of you out there, all these people for years, I've still been extraordinarily well paid. If you take every one of those hours and throw them in the pot, I've been very, very well paid. There's lots of things that the debt collectors have,
1: but done not not that. for doing what we do. Those of you who are new, we yeah. we do not get paid for this.
0: No, no. This I'm I'm talking about settlements with the debt collection industry. Yeah, the people that violate our rights. If I take all of the hours that I've spent, not only working on those things, but all all of the hours on these calls, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for years and years and years, and I look at the amount of money that I've taken in from what I have learned from doing this, I'm still very very well paid. Now, if you you take the actual time that I've put into These uh, various situations, you know, lawsuits or settlements that I've been able to make because of my knowledge but without litigation, uh, I, I can tell you if you just figure that stuff, the amount of time and effort I just put into that and discount these calls and everything, I will tell you I make thousands of dollars an hour for the time I've expended. That's pretty good money you know now I don't get to put in 40 hours a week and get paid that. Oh, that'd be nice. Actually, I'm going to be working on that, but uh anyway, the bottom line for everybody out there is, you know, I we all know, we the moderators all know that this is pretty overwhelming when you first run into it. And a lot of people when they first encounter us, they're scared because they've had a situation maybe they've been served with a lawsuit or you know, they're being threatened or, you know, in, in any number of circumstances where there's pressure being put on you. We understand that. That's why we're here. But you have to put the work in. We'll help you. We don't do stuff for people. We don't read over people's pleadings. We don't write pleadings for other people. I've, I couldn't tell you how many people through the last few years have offered me, well, I'll pay you if you'll write my complaint for me. me we too. don't do that yeah we've all had that uh we don't do that you need to learn the stuff yourself and if we can do it you can do it most people can i'm not going to say everybody can do it cuz there's some people that just they they just can't do it i mean they they work at things but some people just you know uh, just aren't capable of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together but this this isn't something where you you got to have a phd and be mr wiz mr miss wink
2: You know, brilliant
0: individual. It just takes dedication. And as I've said so many times.
1: Determination.
0: Right. As I've said so many times, it's all a matter of how bad do you want it? That's going to determine whether you dig in and you learn about this stuff. We're here to help. We don't do it for you. And with all that said, we always start with good news So I'm going to ask if anybody has any good news for us tonight, that we start out with that. You do not have to hit star 8 to raise your hand. That's how you raise your hand on TalkShoe is hit star 8 to uh, put yourself in the queue to make a comment or ask a question. But uh, for good news, all you got to do is speak up. And by the way, when everybody comes on, you are unmuted. And I do ask everybody to mute themselves when you come on the call. And you do that by star 6 and to unmute yourself you just hit star six again. It's a toggle feature. So if anybody has any good news, let's hear it. I love good news. Leftovers from summer, Terry, John. It's, uh, uh, you know, it. a lot of people that take good. time off in the summer.
1: And I don't get to share, so.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, Terry, Terry's... You know, Terry's got some interesting things occurring, but she's not at the point I, I that she any can anything. say anything. Yeah, and and you know, sometimes that's the way it is. You know, sometimes you you've got situations you're working on and dealing with, and it's it's just prudent not to uh, to talk publicly about some things. <coughs> and uh, you know, it, eventually. Uh, information will come out and that will be fine because if any, most of you that have been with us for uh, somewhat of a period of time, you know we're very free and uh, as much as we can be about talking about our cases because uh, there, there's one reason we don't try and hide what we're doing. Uh, we we talk about it and put it out there, uh, if nothing else, as an encouragement to all of you. You know, we're doing this. Hey, if we're doing it, you guys can do it too. You just Got to learn a few things. That's all.
1: Wow! You hear that thunder? <laughs> no,
0: no. Your your storms finally arrived, huh? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well, we're you know we had a beautiful day here in Dallas today. It was uh, very nice. We were about 90 degrees. We're uh, slowly sliding into uh, uh, the cooler weather for fall, and and that's been real nice. So uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. I I was in here burning my eyes out on computer monitors all day. Uh, getting some things done but uh, anyway we don't have anybody jumping up with uh, any good news so we'll just jump on over to uh, if anybody has a question all you got to do is hit star eight that'll put you in the queue more than happy to uh, uh, answer your questions try and uh, give you the help or direction you may need for what you're dealing with uh, you know it's uh, like I said when when you first encounter dealing with stuff in the legal realm, it can be very intimidating. And, uh, you know, we've all been there. I mean, literally, you you have to keep in mind that every single one of us that's a moderator on here, we had the day that we started, and we didn't know anything. And it's like, oh, my God, there's a lot here. And, of course, we've uncovered a lot uh, in the time that we've been here. I mean, look at what Terry has learned and brought forth uh, on the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, you know, Terry, uh, you know, we talked, uh, I mentioned earlier about, you know, talking about just some of the very basic things uh, to uh, get out to any, any new people that are listening, because we've always got new people coming to the calls. I and mean, We always do, and that's great. And, and by the way, we ask everybody to please spread the word that we're even here to help people. You know, we, there's no advertising budget here. I mean, you know, we 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 don't run ads on the paper or nothing on the Internet. I mean, it's it's just, it's us. Word of mouth is the best advertising that's known to man. And uh, talk to people where you go. I got some business cards printed up. I hand them out anywhere and everywhere. I've handed a ton of them out at the post office. When I was uh, there quite often for litigation, I'd always be talking to people in line and, uh, I handed out tons of cards there, but I, I hand them out in restaurants. I get to talk to waiters and waitresses and give them out there, and uh, the grocery store, uh, all all sorts of different things. But talk to people, please spread the word because we depend on you to uh, let the American public know what we're doing. But anyway, as I was saying. Uh, you know, some of the basic things. You want to just throw a little bit of uh, stuff out about the uh, the FCRA, why it's important for uh, people to uh, check their credit reports on a regular basis, you know, the types of uh, uh, crap that is in there that most people have no clue and, and how it can affect them.
1: Yeah, um, for those of you who are new, The Fair Credit Reporting Act, which we refer to as the anacronym FCRA, was enacted 40 years ago um, for the purpose of keeping the national credit reporting agencies, especially the big three, Equifax, Experian, excuse me, TransUnion, Honest, basically, and to protect Um, The consumer's right to have fair, accurate, and authentic information in their credit files so that their true uh, credit picture would be shared when any entity was requesting your credit report, and that could be... A lot of different kinds of situations, Um, applying for a loan, uh, purchasing a car, a mortgage, uh, to rent a house, Um, insurance. Insurance companies routinely pull credit reports to check your credit status, um, and they do base your premiums partly on your credit status and your credit score. So in order to make sure that the credit reporting agencies were doing things on the up and up and taking the effort to make sure that data in, in consumers' credit files was a- accurate and up to date, um, they passed the FCRA so that when they don't take the care, to uh, make sure there's, there's correct information in your credit file, and that results in harm to you, which could be in a lot of different ways. A low credit score can affect you in all the ways I just said, and it may even stop you from getting a bank account these days because banks now routinely run your credit report, and if they don't like your credit score or you have too many charge-offs or uh, negative trade lines in your credit report, they will uh, refuse to give you a checking account, for instance. Um, You may not be able even to get a utility because utility companies, too, they don't base the rates that they charge you for electric or gas on your credit score, but they do base deposits on it. So just about anything that you do on a, on your, in your daily life is now affected by what is in your credit file. Now there's a difference between a credit file and a credit report. The credit file is all the information that the credit bureaus have on you. Which is probably massive for most people. Uh, if you're, you know, an adult, especially at our age, you know, we're we're uh, senior citizens. Me, me, and Dave. So we have many, many, many years out there. And the older you are, and the more you have engaged in life, the more you're going to have in your credit report. But that that is your uh, your credit file. A credit report is what is compiled from that file into a report when it's asked for. And that is why every single time your credit report, a credit report on you, is requested, it is unique. It may look completely different from one that may have been compiled yesterday or even this morning it can change daily or even um, on the same day so that is a really good reason right there that you need to stay on top of what is in your credit report now over the years ever since the FCRA was enacted it got pretty much ignored Uh, for the first 20 years or so, because why? Most consumers out here don't even know it exists. They have no idea that they have rights under a consumer protection statute that directly affect their credit files and their credit reports and how they're being handled, what's in there, what's being shared, who it's given to, who has a right to request it, and how it's affecting their lives. Well, then the FCRA was amended in 1996 and again in 2003. And the reason, biggest reason for the amendment in 1996 was the rampant abuse in people's credit files from an abusive debt collection industry, and abusive banks, uh, predatory lending, false reporting, um, creditors and furnish they're all furnishers. Anybody who's furnishing information into your credit file, like your creditor, your bank, uh, a debt collector, no matter. they're all considered furnishers. But this was both creditors and collectors we're abusing people's rights and putting in false information, inaccurate information, out-of-date information, um, doing things like changing the, the dates of, of uh, the default on account in order to reage it and keep it in the credit file longer than the seven years that it can be there by law. Uh, for a regular trade line, 10 years on a bankruptcy. These various things were happening. So the FCRA was amended to, and it used to only apply to the credit reporting bureaus. But in 1996, it was amended, and that for the first time, the furnishers were also liable for the information they were furnishing to the credit reporting agencies. Well, that didn't take care of it either. So it was amended again in 2003, that's called FACTA. And that really spelled out the obligations for the furnishers, regardless of who they are, creditors or collectors, um, mortgage servicers, the banks, anybody furnishing information, into a credit report. If they violate any, any section of the FCRA, you have a private right of action to stand up for yourself and make them pay for that violation. Um, and sometimes, if the furnisher is violating... So two is the credit reporting agency, for instance, and like I said, you need to stay on top of your credit report. You need to know what's in there at least once a year because you have a right to a free credit report through annualcreditreport.com once a year. And that does not mean uh, once every, uh, you know, January to December, that means If you pulled it in May, you wouldn't get it free again until next May. So it's within a 12-month period that you have a right to that full report once a year. And if you pull your credit report and you find, as so many people do, in fact, most people do, errors in your credit report, they may be minor errors or massive errors like I found and like many of us have found in mine when I got it the first time in 2011. That is when you need to learn how to file a proper dispute with the credit reporting agencies, and then you need to know how to analyze the response to those disputes and determine when the law has been violated either by the furnisher of the information you're disputing or the credit reporting agency or both. There are, I think, let's see, come to think of it, I think there's like four areas, five areas of the FCRA under which you have a private right of action, even though that is a pretty massive piece of legislation, the areas of it, the sections of it, where you have power and you can hold their feet to the fire for violating your rights are very specific and limited. And that is what we study when we are learning about the FCRA, what's in a credit report how to read it, how to recognize violations, how to lay the foundation properly so that when they do violate, you can hold them accountable for it. And you really can't do that effectively unless you understand how to do it right. So the first part of learning how to do it right is get in the website, and go listen to the webinars that I did on what's in the FCRA, what's in your credit report, how to read one, how to interpret it, and the proper steps to take when you find errors. So that is, I think, covers the basics, Yeah, not it, Dave? Yeah, yeah that's,
0: a, that's a great overview. Thank you very much. And, and I'm going to tell everybody, the webinars that Terry did were fabulous, but... I'm going to tell you right now, if you go in that website and you go through that webinar one time, you're making a mistake. There is so much information in those webinars that she did for you to really get a good handle on things. You're going to need to go through them two or three times. There's that much information. I mean, she got down to the nitty-gritty it gives case law, it talks about the, the, all the various things about why you need to do this before you do that, stuff like that, the whole process. Because, like I said, uh, there's certain rules that you have to follow. And if you don't follow them, if you think, well, I'm just going to do this and this and this, well, no, you've you got to do them in a certain order. If you don't do them in a certain order, then you're not going to put yourself in a position to hold people accountable. And and this goes for everything across the board, but it's really specific about the FCRA. So when you go in there and, and you look at this stuff and you study those uh, webinars that Terry did, please keep in mind, you know, have your pen and paper ready because she's going to dump on you
1: well, with information. You know, Dave, something you said is so true. You can go in and you can learn uh the steps of what to do a through <clears throat> excuse me a through k or however many that that applies to your situation you can know those steps and you can do them exactly the way it's described and laid out there are example letters in it and example of exactly how to do everything, the order in which you should do it, etc. But that's only half the game, okay? You can do that, but you're still not going to be successful if you don't understand why you did A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. When you finally get to a court and you are holding their feet to the fire for accountability, and you don't understand the why of that beautiful foundation that you built. If the building that you're trying to build has no purpose, at some point, you're going to get lost in the construction. So that's another reason that you want to not only... Go through the webinars many times, over and over again. Make notes while you do it. Come on the calls and ask your specific questions about things you don't understand. If you don't quite get, well, why do I need to bother with uh, a direct dispute letter after I did this, this, and this? And you don't quite get it. Well, this is where you get that answer. You come and ask the question. Or you might think in your mind, okay, I built this beautiful foundation exactly as Terry laid it out, but now what do I do with it? And okay, now I'm at a point where I need to file a federal lawsuit in order to hold their feet to the fire. But there are other webinars, afternoon webinars and webinar series, that teach you how to deal with the courts, how to write pleadings, how to uh, conduct discovery once you file it, uh, the rules, you need to be familiar with the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, and we do a lot of teaching on that, and local rules. Every one of your federal district courts, depending on where you live, they all have local rules that amend or change some of the federal rules a little bit you have to be aware of that so it's not enough just to you know have all the tools you need to know why you are using them
0: well and then another thing that we do with these calls is you know as you guys learn this stuff and you go through these various tasks you know doing these dispute letters or whatever like that um you're going to get responses back and we're here to help you uh, decipher what's coming back. You know, we uh, if you don't know what to do with the information, or if you can or should do anything with the information that's sent back to you when you make an inquiry, then you don't know all the rules of the game and you don't understand how it's played and you could lose the ballgame simply because you just neglected something. So, you know, we're here to help with that kind of stuff as well. When you make your uh, demand for validation of a debt and you get something back in the mail, well, just because they send you something in the mail doesn't mean that it satisfies your inquiry. And if, if you don't understand exactly what it is that you're asking for, then how can you be sure whether you got it when they... When or if they send you something back, so it's it's all of these kind of things that play a part in here, and that's what sets us apart from anything that's out on the web, because there's there's courses out there that people oh you know, well you know if you get sued just you you know buy this forty nine ninety five course and and there's uh, no such you thing can, as that easy. It you know, <laughs> there isn't anything like that because one one thing that everybody has to understand. Every single situation that people have is their own. It's different. It's There's no cookie cutter here. There's similarities, yes. Cookie cutter, absolutely not. That's why you can't just go and buy a book or an online course and get anywhere remotely the help that you get with what we do yeah, because you know. we're here, live people that... I, that we do this. I mean, it, it, we're not just, uh, you know, oh, well, just a second, let me let me look at the manual here and see what I'm supposed to tell you. You know how that goes when you call customer service for somebody <laughs> and, and, you know, you can tell a reading out of a manual. It's like, no, you're not telling me what I want. Well, I've just been trained to read the book. It, we're not like that. That's that's what sets us so apart from anything else out there to be able to help people.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you keep know that Something you said uh, just a minute ago About uh, there's no uh, There's similarities Well case law That's what case law is for Similarities You will find case law out there To support your various arguments When you go after them For a violation of your rights And that case law helps you show the court that what they did is not lawful. But the case law, you're never going to find a case identical to yours. But you are going to find cases that are similar enough to yours that the arguments used in those cases are applicable to yours. And that's what case law is for.
0: And case law, just for any really new new, newbies, is decisions by the courts, prior decisions by the courts. And and there's different levels of courts. You know, you have your local courts, your uh, federal district court, and let's just talk about federal court here for the moment. You've got your federal district courts, like I litigate in the eastern district of Texas, and there's the northern district and the southern district and the western district, of Texas it's a big state you know uh, then you've got some places like Kansas has just the district court of Kansas because it's a lighter population so you know you've got different uh, things in Illinois northern and southern and Pennsylvania and you know your bigger states Georgia is broken up and stuff and the same with Florida then you have your circuit courts those are the appeals courts where let's say you get a, a decision at your district court level, that is uh, you, you know is wrong. Well, then how do you appeal that? Well, you have to go to your circuit court of appeals. And there's a number of circuits around the country, depending on where you live. I'm in the Fifth Circuit. Terry is in the Eleventh Circuit. Uh, a friend of mine that it lives in Kansas uh, is in the Tenth Circuit. If you're out in California and out west, Washington, uh, Arizona, stuff like that, you're in the Ninth Circuit. So you you take your appeal to that court, and if you don't get what you want there, you think you've been wronged, the only step from there is the U.S. Supreme Court. And your chances of being able to get your case before the US supreme court are very very slim
1: however There's only a few after what you have after what you have said you must keep in mind that you need to know how to do your case properly from the get-go every step of the way because you need to know how to be setting it up for an appeal in case you get a raw deal, uh, you get a bad judge, you get a a misunderstanding, the court doesn't understand, and it's a misapplication of the law for whatever reason uh, it's appealable. You need to know how to set that up so that it is appealable. You need to understand what it is the court did wrong that enables you to go to the appeals court because the appeals court is not there just because you didn't get the decision you wanted.
0: Yeah, you don't just get to go there and whine. No. No, You have to
1: have a real reason to appeal. I won my appeal. uh, Some of the uh, uh, counts in my case were affirmed but the important one that really mattered I won and that's because I was right and the court was wrong but I couldn't have done that if the the pleadings at the lower court and I hadn't done things properly so that it was ripe for
0: an appeal Yeah, so it's you know there's a process, and and new people are probably uh, some are maybe listening to this thinking, oh, this is really involved. Well, if you you, most people aren't going to get to the appellate stage. No. I've been there. Terry's been there. John has been there. Larry has been there. Jesse's been there. But it's not like it's every day. That's not
1: our goal.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, the the other thing that I want to tell everybody, especially focusing on new people, is. I've been involved in close to 150 federal lawsuits so far. I know it sounds crazy. It is. I
1: just can't hardly believe Yours it myself. It really is. That's true. I
0: have not, with all of the stuff that I have done, the only time I've set foot in a federal courtroom is when I went to the court to observe a patent infringement trial. I was there as a court watcher to learn. I have never had to appear in court. I've been on the phone with a judge three different times in all of my cases. Otherwise, everything was done on paper. This is a paper battle with few exceptions. So please understand that. That's why it's important to understand the process, the rules, and and writing. You know, if uh, if you're going to be litigating, you have to... Make sure you you can write decently. And there's lots of examples out there. Pacer.gov is the record-keeping system for the federal courts. That was my most valuable textbook and still is. Because if if I want examples, what I do is I go out there and I look for cases. You can do searches. And Terry uh, did a couple webinars that are in the website on how to use Pacer properly. And they even have a... uh, uh, a tutorial
1: tutorial video yeah that's
0: that 's there to do it, so i mean there 's lots of help out here if you you decide you you want to take this on and, and do this,
1: uh, but we if, absolutely
0: if, encourage you to do so
1: if there 's new people on the line tonight listening to us go over this, and you know we say well we 're going to go over the basics, and everything we have been talking about is very basic, but if you 're starting to feel like, oh my God. This is overwhelming. I'll never learn all that. You need to understand, five years ago, uh, Dave knew a little more than me. Dave had a little bit of experience with things like this. With
0: typing some documents for somebody else that didn't know anything. Right. (laughs) That was the extent of my experience.
1: um, I, you know, neither of us ever imagined ourselves litigating in a federal district court in fact both of us if you would have said to us at the t- either one of us at the time you know in five years terry's going to be at the 11th circuit court of appeals and winning a landmark ruling and dave's going to have 106 lawsuits against the same company at the same time we would have really laughed our butts off wouldn't we
0: there's there, there. That w- wouldn't have been in the realm of possibility in our minds. No way. Never.
1: No. Not in mine. And he had to drag me into it because I'm like, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with all this. He's like, yeah, you do.
0: <laughs> yeah. But see, we we go in this, and, I mean, here I am, and, and I'm not bragging or anything. It's just a set of circumstances why I'm in the position I'm in. But I'm perfectly comfortable having 106 lawsuits against the same company because of the circumstances, and I'm going to win. I'm going to get paid.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's just they've
0: played a lot of games, and they've spent an enormous amount of money dealing with me, but that was their choice, and they refused to settle. And, uh, you know, they it's wouldn't it's even true. discuss they, it.
2: So. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's just the arrogance that they display. They've displayed uh, this over and over and over again in the courts. And, you they know, have a right just...
1: to be as stupid as they want.
0: Yep. So, you know, don't, again, you know, we know exactly where any new person is. We were there, and it wasn't that long ago.
2: No, so, and,
0: and, and that doesn't mean that we have all the answers. We surely don't. But if we don't have the answer to something, we've got a fairly good idea where we can look to find it. And we've got contacts with enough people. We actually have attorneys, a, a, a handful of attorneys that uh, have come to us and are very interested in learning from us. And they help us with things. And uh, it's a great, wonderful relationship because we know we can trust these people. And uh, uh, they're they're benefiting from uh, learning from us because we know these statutes and uh, the case law and stuff surrounding them better than just about any attorneys do because we're involved in this all the time. Remember, a lawyer has a practice to... uh, deal with you know they've got 30 40 60 80 200 cases whatever that they're following they don't have time to get into the intricate
1: they're busy stuff, in the business of making like a living
0: you yeah know. They're, they're making a living they they have to uh, pay attention to a lot of different things we pay attention to one thing like me yeah. i'm i'm dealing with the f uh... or the tcpa and uh... You know, I mean, that doesn't mean I don't know anything about the FCRA or the FTCPA, I surely do. So it's a a broader array of knowledge. But anyway, thank you for giving that overview, Um, Terry. We've got several people that have uh, raised their hands, so let's go and take the questions. And then uh, if we get done with the questions and we've got a little more time, we can go back and talk some basics maybe about FTCPA and TCPA as well. But to begin with, we're going to go to guest three. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. Guest three, I just unmuted you. You are up to bat. And maybe they don't want to talk to us. Oh, hey. Hey, hey. Can you hear me? Uh, Well, we got more than one
1: guest. No, we
0: got guest four unmuted themselves, but guest three is the one that I called on.
3: Who's, my, who's which? Oh, yeah, they won't
0: I'm, 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 I'm going to... I just muted guest Can four. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, guest three, guest yeah. Three.
4: Thank you. Um, I'm in Kansas. I'm working on an answer in affirmative defenses. Okay. And it does not appear as though there is a Kansas statute that a con- there needs to be a signed contract or I haven't found it at this point. So, but can I still use the first one through five affirmative defenses that refer to the need for the signed contract in order to sue? Well,
0: no, no, what do you mean? Uh, you say there, <clears throat> there is no requirement, but you, you want to use multiple affirmative defenses. I'm confused.
4: Um, well, you know, while I've been working on a lot of the documents, you know, and um when when I look for a you know Kansas statute for the need for a signed contract to be attached.
0: You don't find you it, a, to the you, you don't find that as a as a requirement, is what okay, you're saying. I don't, you wait a minute. I don't
1: find are, it Are you are you talking about when they're suing you in state court? When yeah. they're
4: suing me in state court and
1: um So I you're came looking for the requirement on... that they that they attach account level documents or assigned contract to the complaint. Correct. Okay, go ahead, Dave.
0: All right. I, so I, what now you say you haven't found anything? Yeah,
4: and what I did find was something that said Kansas residents may be surprised to find that Kansas does not require that. Okay. So, I didn't know if that was a correct um, statement to make that. about Kansas. Well, well no. Neither. <laughs> now,
0: now, where did you read that? Was that just what somebody some lawyer said or did you go read the statute and see what's required?
4: Well, I did two things. I looked at the statutes and I could not find it. I googled it. What and what is required? Hand. Well, that there shouldn't be any deceptive acts.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not talking about what isn't required.
1: Specifically.
4: Okay. What
0: is required to bring an action for a debt in the state of Kansas under the uh Kansas statutes annotated? In that
1: particular court uh, you know, are we talking small claims? Yeah,
0: that's uh, no, they they do it in their other courts there. No, but this is not what, small claims. Yeah, what, what is required? I mean, the statute oh, so says Google what they have what to do. What is
5: required? Okay.
4: Well, yeah,
0: yeah, you have, to, you have to go and read the statute for somebody to bring a claim that tells mm-hmm. what they have to do.
2: I see. That's yeah, what you're yeah.
0: looking for. Just Google it that
2: way. What
1: is required it. in the state of Kansas to sue <coughs> in such and such a court?
0: Yeah, well, it's to bring an action. Yeah. Bring an action against a defendant uh, for a debt.
4: I see. That's very helpful. Thank you.
0: Yeah.
4: And then um, I'll work on that. And for for my answers, since I have a credit union suing me and uh, a lawyer, um, I and I don't know for sure if it's. If they've sold the debt to the lawyer, it hasn't been
0: sold. They, the right. Credit unions don't credit unions don't sell their stuff.
4: Okay, so so I can probably be sure that it's the original creditor, right? Right. And so when I when I answer the allegations, um, I can you guide me as to where on the website I can Speeding credit cards section. Um, I see a lot for junk debts and things. Is there a way for me to get directly to um when it's the original creditor? Well
0: well, well no. You're you have a you have a debt collector. The attorney
2: mm-hmm. is
0: a debt collector.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it's responding to a uh lawsuit from a credit card and it's the information's right in there. You say okay. there's a lot of information there, but yeah, if you're sued, you know, people get sued by Citibank and Bank of America and you know American Express and stuff all the time, and uh, uh, fairly often those are uh, original creditor lawsuits. Sometimes they're sold, and sometimes they're very deceptive about the fact they have been sold, but they. You know they cover it up, but with the credit unions, credit unions don't uh, don't sell their stuff to debt buyers as a general rule. I've never ever ever, and all the stuff I run across, I have never found a, one where a credit union sold anything to a debt buyer.
1: I haven't either, and I've really looked at a lot. From...
0: Yeah, okay. well, we've collectively we've looked at many hundreds. So you know you can figure it's uh, the regular credit, but it's just a matter of you know when when you do your your answer in affirmative defenses you're gonna do your denials and uh, mm-hmm. you just follow your uh instructions on okay. answering that you know you uh uh when it comes to their uh, uh things like uh you know your address it's it's correct and stuff like that you're not gonna deny that because that's that's factual information but you know if they say well uh you know you you Took out a, a credit card, uh, and you you didn't pay the balance. He you, you know denied. Okay.
4: And then they have a one where I don't have enough knowledge to make the decision.
1: You know,
4: if
0: that's appropriate, yes.
4: mm mm-hmm.
1: So like for. If instance, that's true, then that's what you say. Right. Exactly.
0: like that
4: the plaintiff is duly organized and existing by virtue of law
1: that's easy i can admit that
0: well how do you know that
1: you don't really know that do you oh you don't don't work there
0: that's 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 one where you don't have knowledge isn't it
1: (laughs) oh right
4: (laughs)
0: there you see i made an assumption
4: there (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: you got to be careful of the assumptions you got to sit down and this is one thing that when people are you know starting into the legal end of things they uh-huh. they do have a tendency to wanna move too fast, you know. Read and then and then I wanna answer. Right. Wait a minute. Go back uh-huh. and read and think about what you've read. What what did what you just read actually say yeah. because we're we're so used to being in a hurry and getting through it now, well I read that, you know, and uh, I could have you read uh, a paragraph and uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit longer paragraph. And then I could uh, ask you, okay, now what what did this what did they say in that paragraph? And probably ninety eight out of a hundred people would give me just a real quick little overview. The other two would say, well, they said this, and then they said this, and they said this, and they said that, and they said that, and they said that. There's a big difference between the two. the person that says well, they you know they, they just kind of talked in general about you know how dogs behave when they're mm-hmm. penned up um, Well, maybe the other people uh, talked about how uh, it affects them uh, psychologically, this and that now obviously it's got nothing to do with legal. My point being you when you deal with legal stuff, you need to think about what you're reading, what's actually Mm -hmm. being said, what's actually being asked. Because I'm here to tell you, the legal profession is all built on trickery. Yes. Deceit and
2: trickery.
0: Right. So if if you have a tendency to go too quickly with things and don't really think about what's being asked of you Mm -hmm. before you answer, you can end up kind of sticking your foot in your mouth and chewing on it up to your knee.
4: That would be terrible.
0: No, that that would not be good for you. But we see that happen. So take the time to read over. And that's the same thing when you read the law. Um, If you're not quite sure about something, jot that question down and then come on these calls and say, okay, well, now I read here in the Kansas statutes annotated uh, 670 dash da-da-da-da-da. And you notice I, I know some numbers there because I have a friend in Kansas that I, I help with some stuff. Um, Kansas statute such such they, it states that that that, that 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 that. Now does that mean this or does it mean that? That's the kind of questions you can come and ask us, and we can help you sort out. Thank you. But you have got to pay attention to those things and really think about what you're reading. It, it well, makes all the difference. Th-
4: they used, they seem to have um two items in each sense and so they're sometimes they're contradictory you know mutually exclusive or if you accept one then you accidentally accept the other one as well
0: well you got got Just to be careful trickery
5: <laughs> trickery yeah
4: right
0: well it's the 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 statutes aren't really into the trickery it's it's the way the attorneys use them and ask you questions. You know, they'll ask you a question about this, and then they'll say, well, didn't you da, 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 and and A word
1: and, and admission that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's where you get into a lot of your trickery with, well, with that.
1: Yeah,
4: and then like in, in depositions the and
0: stuff, too.
4: Right. Well, right now this um, petition is breach of contract, so this is the kind of trickery I'm looking at right now. Uh-huh. And so, and I'm just wondering if I just, you know, because there's six counts there. If I put without knowledge on all six of them, is that weird?
2: <laughs> no. No. Just, <laughs> not, not if
1: you don't. If you don't know, don't guess. Yeah. And if okay. you see, don't you, have full knowledge of something, don't assume either.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Now, see, you've got you got to remember one thing hmm If they've brought the lawsuit against you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they have the burden of proof. That's true, true. Okay. So see, you don't sit there and hand them things.
4: Oh. You make them true. proof things up. <laughs> okay.
0: See a lot oh. of people a lot of people get in there and they're just like well oh, oh, I gotta I gotta I gotta answer this. I can't lie or anything. Well, no, you're not lying without knowledge. Are, are, you show me, you show me, if you put that down there, you show me the person working the fa- walking the face of this earth that could come around and prove that you did have knowledge of that. Okay. There's no one, is there? No one. Thank you. <laughs> See, the little simple things like that, It's a, it's a matter of how you start thinking. You start thinking the way the lawyers think, and then all of a sudden life becomes much more difficult for them. He goes, crap, here's somebody that knows Mm -hmm. this. Because when they're dealing with another lawyer, the lawyers always just play, let's make a deal between themselves. When you get somebody that's knowledgeable about this stuff and fights a battle, they actually have a fight on their hands and they actually have to work for their money. What a, (laughs) what an amazing thing to have happen. How totally unfair. (laughs) So anyway, that's, you know, be, be very careful. Uh, in your reading, think about what you read. And, and it's just like in the webinars I did on when you're picking apart affidavits. You have mm-hmm. to read every sentence and think about what did that say. Is it true? Could it be true? Or is it impossible that that's actually true? Because that makes a difference on how you pick things apart. I see. Okay? Now, what, I, what so, other questions yeah. you got?
4: Well, I was thank you. I was going to say that I... I I guess what I'm thinking now is I should just go ahead and put in the first five affirmative defenses about the contract anyway Um, because what I read said the judge may or may not accept um, the complaint. With or without a signed contract, because something is implied. Like when it when it when an ongoing agreement. To, yeah. I can't quote it very well. Well, you can
0: you can put it in there. You, you, you know, it's not it. It's not going to uh, harm you to put it in.
4: Okay. Okay.
0: But you don't so want I'll, to put just a you know, and this is one of the things we go after these idiots on the other side when we sue them and they throw, you know, every think an affirmative defense you can think of against the wall you know put 26 of them in there it's the most ridiculous thing in the world when most Mm -hmm. of them don't apply so don't don't think that oh well the more affirmative defenses i throw in here the better it is no it's Uh, you know pay attention are are the affirmative defenses you're making are they relevant to the type of case you've got
2: i see
4: well here in this case um, you know, I was um, I joined as a member of the website quite some time ago, and I did go through a two-debt validation cycle with the credit union and with this same law firm. And mm-hmm. the second the second um, debt validation letter is the one that says, I believe there's an error in the amount of, and then I request original documentation.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I went through both of that cycle so I'm going to use um, the affirmative defense that the debt has not been validated Mm-hmm. and then I'm not sure I mean that that's as far as I can think right now one through five plus the debt validation and then go into the whereas and for summary judgment underneath that
0: well you're not at summary judgment stage are you
4: well um, let me think
0: you haven't even so, answered the complaint yet, have you?
4: Oh, so I don't add a line at the bottom that says, in, in the zip file, there's a word document that says, "Wherefore, defendant pro se asks the court take nothing of plaintiff's complaint by virtue and dis- dismisses the complaint with prejudice." That that's is not summary No, statement.
0: no, no.
4: Oh, that's We're, not that's not summary of No,
0: you 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 don't want to do that.
4: Oh. I don't want to put that that statement no. in that I just said. No. Oh I No, just that. answer
0: in in answering your complaint, it's keep it simple.
4: Okay. Keep it simple and The KISS then, principle
0: works really good.
4: <laughs> right. And so what I've done is I have put in a um a um motion for enlargement of time, which I did not get. Right. And so basically tomorrow I have a whole list of things that I was going to do. Put in my answer and affirmative defenses. I have my um, notice of dispute. Well, I put that in, but I don't know if it was accepted or not accepted.
0: It's not a matter of accepting. If you present it for filing, they have to file it. If they don't file it, it's concealment. It's a felony.
4: Oh, okay. Well, I left my name, my underneath my name, I think I left my address off. So should, should I redo the the um, you, notice of dispute with the correct um, form?
0: Yeah, You well, yeah, you want to put all your information on it.
5: Right.
4: And then I've got a sworn denial. I did my okay. pro se notice of appearance.
0: Okay.
4: And I'm working on my motion to dismiss, but I'm a little hung up on that. I, well, if, one, you, I if you're
0: to? if you're answering your motion to dismiss is forget it, because if you answer your your motion to dismiss generally is going to be done before you would answer. So, if you're going to answer the complaint at this point in time, uh, I I if I were in your position, I would not do a motion to dismiss because the court will look at that and go <laughs> forget that. Oh. It's wasted, well, wasted time.
4: Uh, well, tomorrow I have to put in an answer.
0: Well, then get your answer in so you don't so get I'll, defaulted.
4: I'll cross off the um, motion to dismiss then. And yep. so I could put all of these documents in the same day, answer and yeah. affirmative defenses, yeah. Yeah. all of that together. Yep. Have I I don't think I've missed anything. Hope not. But I will continue to You make it. Sure,
0: you make sure that you have a certificate of service with each one.
4: Yes.
0: You make that out. You know, uh, I I sent a, a true and correct copy of the foregoing document to the below listed parties by first class uh, USPS mail. And date you have a line for the date and you put the date and your uh, signature. You don't have to put all your address and everything on the certificate of service, but the other things uh, you want to put your full okay. the name and address and stuff.
4: Oh, I see. Well, let me peek and see if it ha- it has that true. Let me, I might have to add that one. Um, I put um, I yes yes I have it there. I certify that a true and correct copy.
0: Yeah, there you go. And then
4: yeah, it, yeah. and then it's um, certified mail.
2: And, yeah, I yeah. Uh, the okay.
0: certificate of service stuff like that uh, when yeah. you're just sending uh, things like. Uh, in answer to the complaint and stuff like that, don't spend the money on certified mail. Just just put it first class.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Places oh, right. where you're going to use certified mail is going to be uh-huh. when you want to be sure that somebody gets a document. Like when you uh, when you send a validation letter, you okay. want to be able to That's prove right. they got it. Okay. When you send them discovery you want to be able to prove that they got it, so they can't say, well, you know, we didn't answer because we never got it. Well, yes, you did. The Postal Service delivered it on the 10th. Um, And
2: then
0: then if uh, they send you discovery, Mm -hmm. you send your answers back to them by certified mail again, because then you can say, you know, they say, well, you never answered. We want these admissions deemed admitted. No, you you. It was delivered to you on you know March thirtieth at ten forty six a.m. Mm-hmm. I've got the proof from the postal service. So if those are some of your places where you use certified mail. But just copies of what you're filing with the court don't just first class mail is fine. Oh,
4: okay, thank you. That's very good tip. Yep. Save and saves you reforming.
0: money. Yep, saves you the money. Absolutely.
4: Right. So I guess I'll have to call again tomorrow because I have to start the federal lawsuit. I've actually started drafting the document. I can't. I, I I'm on Pacer. I've got Recap going, and Good. you know the only thing is I don't know how to see the cases that I really want to see because I don't I can put it in search criteria of the last two three years FD, uh Consumer 480, but I I don't know which. Which cases to really look at?
0: Yeah, you're not going to know what they are until you just go in. You you got to you go in there and you look at the complaint. Literally, what you do is, uh, and <laughs> I can't tell you how many of these well, I've done let in let the last five and a half years.
1: A suggestion: um, Have mm-hmm. you tried narrowing it down in your search to the uh, plaintiff you're dealing with?
4: i uh I did see um a lawsuit by the plaintiff and it was concluded in June of this year. It was a one year long case. Should I um just start looking at his cases
1: Well, that's gonna be one you want to look at
0: no that and was in I... federal court yeah
1: well yeah okay.
4: uh, and and okay. was it
0: what was it uh was it somebody else that sued the credit union
4: uh I have to look at it. I don't have it up. Should yeah.
0: I keep it up? Yeah, right. That, well. it,
1: that might be helpful. You want to look, at, and you can narrow things down in PACER with either the name of either party, um, like if it were, well, like me in Midland, okay? I can, and I, if I wanted to see all the cases they were involved in here in Georgia, for instance. I could go into PACER and narrow it down to cases involving Midland Credit Management or Midland Funding LLC or just plain Midland, Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: maybe I want to narrow it down to a set of the last four years so I could narrow it down to that. Now maybe I also am only interested in those in the northern district or the southern district Or the middle district, Mm -hmm. because each state has. I can narrow it down to all those parameters, so that I don't end up with pages and pages of cases and paying ten cents to look at the docket of each one before I even decide uh, I want to see the complaint. And and here's another thing that I do when I'm in there, when I'm doing this kind of research. Once I see a case that I think, okay, I want to see this docket, I will click on it. I will look at the docket, and I will scroll all the way to the bottom to see if there was uh, a settlement at the bottom or it was dismissed or whatever. And I will look at that first. And what is in how the case ended up is going to tell me whether it's even worth paying the money to go read the complaint.
4: I see there. I see. So that's the way it's it's Like of the An,
0: an example would be like if there was a, a, a report and recommendation from a magistrate judge that was uh, you know, approved by the court. Well, mm-hmm. you go look at the decision and find out okay, who won, who lost, and why. Right. Right. And what were the issues? Because it's all going to be explained in that report and recommendation.
4: I see. I guess I just, you have know, tried several times, but perhaps I just haven't gotten to that step in order to scroll to the bottom. Yeah, you, know? you really
1: have to just sit and think about okay, what mm. is it I'm looking for? Mm. What am I most interested in finding today at this moment in this PACER search? And then you look at the different uh, parameters where you can that you can use to narrow your search, and then think about creative ways you could change that parameter to narrow down your search.
2: But as far as when you're looking
0: at the docket, you just you know you just scroll down to see what the last filing is. You know, and and and. Various cases are going to be at various stages. I see. I mean, I you know, see. and you can kind of look at the uh, the various things that are in there. Well, you know, notice of appearance, uh, uh, motion for motion to compel, uh, motion to continue, motion to this, you know, uh, uh, order. on on motion to compel or you know all this kind of stuff that gives you clues on what those documents are like and then
2: you know
0: like if you're trying to learn about motions to compel and somebody's done a motion to compel and then uh, you know the other side filed an answer and then the court uh, 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 order on motion to compel well aren't you going to want to go and read those and say go okay now, what, what did their motion to compel look like? What did, how did they lay it out? What did they say? How did the other side argue it? And then go look and see what the court made, made a decision on and what they said.
1: And here's another little hint that will help you when, when you're first learning, because I, I tell you what I'm sure Dave did too, but our early PACER bills were ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, okay, mine was, and, and I know Dave's was too, And especially for me, I have very limited income, so I really needed to learn how to keep that PACER bill down and still be able to live in there and do Mm -hmm. all this research. Well, one of the things I look at when I put in a search, and let's just say go back to Midland again, if I'm searching for the last four years in the northern district of Georgia any cases involving Midland, all right, now the page comes up, and there's five or six pages of cases. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot to go through, right? Just because, right. if and I'm sure you've figured out, when you hover your mouse over the case number, it gives you who's involved, who's suing, who, who, you know, plaintiff, defendant, whatever. But the right. thing that you want to look at first is over on the right where it shows the column that says the date it was filed, and the date it was closed. And generally speaking, when you see a case that was, say, filed in July of this year and dismissed the 1st of September or the end of August or even, like, the end of October, fairly quick, if Mm -hmm. if it was closed um, you don't know if it was dismissed or whatever, but it'll it'll show open and closed. And don't waste your money go looking at yeah. anything that, on that case because – That that's was a settlement. You, no, not necessarily. It was either a quick settlement, so there's not going to be any helpful documents on the docket, oh, wow. um, or it was so badly written it was dismissed by the court – Or it was dismissed by the court on a 12B-6 because it was badly written. Or it was filed and then nobody followed through. You know, so don't waste your money. Look at the ones that have lasted a while. I -hmm. see. see. There's going to be more stuff
0: there to learn from.
1: And remember that you can learn just as much and sometimes more from cases that were lost than you do from the ones that were won
0: absolutely because the court when you know when somebody loses the court has to explain why they lost and a lot of times what it all boils down to in a nutshell is the court tells that person, or that side, what mistakes they made. Well, the court's just laying out, it's like, oh my God, okay, the court said exactly what they did wrong. Well, I just got to make sure I don't do that. I see.
4: How wonderful. Thank you for letting me know.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, um, like Terry said, uh, so many times uh, we learn from cases that are lost.
1: Yeah. and
0: uh, I've I've seen some cases that uh, a, a plaintiff lost, and it, and and some of them have been just because of one very small little critical <laughs> detail.
1: Yeah. what comes to your mind, Dave? I know this is going to. Uh,
2: oh. Uh, there was
1: a recent case that went all the way to the Fourth Circuit of Appeals. Really made some very bad case law for all of us consumers out here all because a stupid attorney wrote one sentence
2: one in sentence the,
1: in the fourth paragraph of the introduction it was a beautiful case it should have been one it would have been one except for that one stupid sentence
0: he and he what wrote. what the lawyer did was uh he was. It was an FDCPA case, and he was talking about somebody who was acting as a debt collector, and he pled it that they were a creditor.
1: Yeah, he stated, oh. Santander is a. Uh, how did he put it? A, a consumer finance institution. Yeah. In other words, they're a bank. They, they're not they're yeah. a creditor they're not subject to the FEC yeah, and in this case,
0: oh. and in this case, that wasn't the case, but remember you guys, see this is how important this is a, a good lesson for everybody out there. The court can only go by what's in the pleadings, even if you may if you put it in it's wrong, it isn't this oh well, the court knows I didn't mean that. Oh no no so no no! no. If you put it, it in there, you got to live with it. That's that's all the court can deal with is what's put before them. They're a neutral party; they can't take a side and say, "Well, you know, I know what you were trying to." No, no, yeah. No. How many work. times have we heard
1: that, Dave? Well, the court should know what I meant.
0: No, 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 absolutely. Maybe not. the
1: court no. does know what you meant, but doesn't matter. Can't matter. Not what you said. Exactly. So and it even gets the very literal. The appeals court. This it was. It was really kind of sad. I almost felt sorry for the guy, because there was a oral argument, um, and in the oral argument, the judges kept trying to throw the guy a, a life preserver. <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't <laughs> take it. And then even the attorney on the other side tried to throw him a life preserver, and oh. he would not get up off of that. Yep.
0: So, yeah, details, 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 you guys. Details. Can't say that enough.
4: Well, the more I work, the more interesting it gets.
0: Yeah, but I do feel That's the pressure
4: stuff. of the learning curve and the short time frame I have Nat, right now, and thank you so much for your yep. kindness and patience.
0: Sure. Well, go get your stuff in tomorrow. Yeah, don't let yourself fall into uh, the default situation. Okay.
4: I'll get it in tomorrow. Thank you so much.
0: All Have right. A good You're evening. Welcome. Now. You and too. Bye. You too. All right. We're gonna go to foreclose for me. Well, I'm trying to go to you, and I keep clicking on it. And there we go. You finally were unmuted and it dropped you out of the queue.
2: Foreclose I'm for me.
0: Well,
1: what happened to that uh, number three or number four of the guy that was trying to...
0: Well, uh, the, I don't know what that was. They're not on the board now. Foreclose wow. for me. You're up.
5: Okay. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, we can hear you.
5: Oh, okay. Um, I just found out some information today, and I, I haven't even had a chance to look at anything online at the website, but I was speaking with someone that um, said that they were in foreclosure and they were asking me, you know, for different opinions and some advice and that. Well, when I went out to to see them, first of all, I looked online to see what their foreclosure was like and where they were at in the foreclosure because they said the bank kept telling them, well, we haven't set the sale date yet. Um, But you're in foreclosure, and they're telling them how they have to get all this money together by a certain date. And and after doing a lot of research online, I found out they're not even in foreclosure. Nobody's filed anything. Have
0: they gotten a notice of acceleration? And are they in a a judicial or non-judicial
2: state?
5: Judicial state. So it has to go through the court. Right. Okay. Um, And there's nothing in the court.
0: Well, but have they gotten a notice of uh, default, notice of acceleration? See.
1: Yeah, because when they say you're in foreclosure, that does not necessarily mean you're in the legal, uh, the official
0: legal stage. Right. They they can be viewing them. You know the uh, institution that allegedly is going to foreclose on them can be viewing it like, oh, well, we're going to move forward with foreclosure and you know, we're getting ready or this or that. That doesn't mean right. that they've actually taken an action. The first action is a notice of acceleration.
1: I can't believe I just said that on a foreclosure issue.
0: Yeah, I can't it's either, Terry. It. I was wondering, oh, where did, where, where, where's all this coming from all of a sudden, Terry? Never
1: mind, never mind. You didn't hear me say it.
0: I will. right. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stick down on you. Just... <laughs> Go ahead, Maggie.
5: Okay, so they need a letter of acceleration. Well,
0: they need to find um... out if they have, have been sent a letter of acceleration, a notice of acceleration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's first step. If um... they, they haven't been uh, sent that. Nothing is going on.
5: I'm not sure if they have been sent that or not. I know they have. Um, their their mortgage company has contacted a law firm in in Ohio, and they are famous for doing foreclosures. So that law firm has sent them a letter, and it doesn't say they're in foreclosure. It just says that uh, they're a debt collector and they're trying to get them to make their payment.
0: Well, they're. It sounds like they're taking a, a, a softer approach, saying, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, like, well, come on, let's see if you can get caught up in your stuff here. You know, we we don't want to start into the foreclosure process yet, but, uh, you know, look, you, why don't you make your payments? But here again, you know, like I was just saying a few minutes ago and talking with the uh, lady in Kansas, these people, that when they get any kind of letters, they have to read it <clears throat> and they should know Exactly, what that letter said. Not just yeah. kind of a oh well, you know they got some letter from a lawyer. Really? Hey, was it a was it a, uh, a you know happy Labor Day letter or uh, you know uh, we're we're really looking forward to spending uh, uh, Halloween with you? No.
1: Happy birthday! You take yeah, all that they, money you got they, for your birthday and send it to us.
0: Yeah. When when people get these documents. They need to read them and think about them and fully understand exactly what they've received. And if they're not sure, then do some consulting with people that would have knowledge to help identify exactly what it is that they've received. But that's, that's one of the problems that we have with a lot of people a lot of times. Like I was saying, people get, you know, and they're in a hurry. Well, I read it and it was from the lawyer and they want me to make payments. Well, what actually did it say? Well, they, they had some stuff in there. They just want us to make pain. Wait a minute. They had some stuff in there. What is stuff? Is it chocolate chip cookies? You know. Well, Maggie, I'm trying to make a point with this here, because people don't read and think and and really understand. What what did that letter say that you got? What exactly did it say? You should be able to say, they said that they want us to make payments, that we need to pay $2,840 by the 17th of uh, October, or they're uh, going to move forward with foreclosure. In other words, details, details, details. What exactly did they get? What did it say?
1: And the other thing is, if that's really where they are at in this process and they're in a judicial state, there's a lot to be done um, before it becomes a court issue. And what does that mean? That means that your friend has time, at least now, um, to prepare.
0: Get in that know, website and start get learning. Get there and learn. Yes. And, and that's not going to work for you to try and convey information to them. They have to learn it. If they're going to try and defend their own foreclosure, They have to be able to do it and understand what they're doing.
6: And it all starts with the debt validation letter. They need to send them to who they think the lender is. They need to send one to the law firm that says they're in foreclosure and has communicated with them. They need to send one to any attorney in that law firm that sent any letter or any communication to them about it. They need to write down and list every single phone call, whether it's a hang-up or whatever that they receive from the law firm or from the purported lender or servicer. And they need to write down the date, you know, the time, the phone number it came from. If they spoke with someone, uh, they might choose to send letters revoking consent to uh, call call those numbers, such as their cell phone number. If they send those, then it can create more violations to go after the other side in the future. But if you start putting up those barriers where they have to answer these questions especially with the um, debt validation letters. And then the other thing you'll see on the website, not like you find on the internet, these QWRs that are the equivalent of discovery, but a very specific pointed QWR sent to the servicer or any servicer address they have asking specific questions about the loan and balances or who owns the loan. That automatically stops them for doing anything from anywhere from 30 to 60 days, and it it buys more time for them to get more organized. But they need to send these things out by certified return receipt mail and get it done this week before the week's over. Okay.
5: Um, Okay, I I just forgot it. I was going to ask you another question. Oh, I know. They, um, they are working with their bank to do a loan modification. Why? And, well, I don't know. Just because the bank said that that's what they needed to do. This is before they talked to me.
6: Okay. Well, hang on a second before you go any further.
5: Okay. So the
6: bank contacted them and says, hey, give me all your private confidential financial information so that I can see that you're unemployed or underemployed and don't have enough money to pay this loan. And we'll tell you that we're going to, you know, see a, about maybe giving you a loan modification. But in the meantime, that information's really useful to us to foreclose on you even quicker. That's all that is.
0: Those, those modifications are nothing but scam deals. Yep.
6: It doesn't matter if it's, if it's, you know, Bank America, Wells Fargo, Chase, whatever, big bank or the small community bank, whatever it is, they're just gathering information and there'll be some disclosure buried in there that, you know, we can use this information, blah, 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 but they'll turn around and use that against you.
0: Yeah, and, and another thing they'll do is they'll, sometimes they'll say, "Well, okay, now we've we got a trial modification here. You pay, you know, twenty eight hundred dollars a month for uh, three months, and then we can go ahead and move forward. Uh, you know, that's you show us in good faith that you can pay pay that, and then we'll get this modification done. And what happens is." You pay that money in, then they say, well, no, we can't have the modification. You just paid them all the money that they're going to spend on lawyers to foreclose on your property.
6: And they never applied it to the mortgage. They hold that's it in right. a suspense account or something, and they actually use that to fund the foreclosure.
0: That's absolute common, 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 common practice. It's That's not... That's not the exception to the rule. That's the rule. That's the way they do it.
2: Hmm.
0: In fact, I I was over here at a Chase uh, branch a few years ago, and I was talking to a banker in there about some of this stuff. Uh-huh. And he told me, you know, I, I laid this stuff out for him. He says, well, that's what Chase is doing to people. I said, "Yeah," and you're working for him. How does that make you feel? He had a rather solemn look on his face. He admitted to me right there in the bank. Oh my
5: gosh. Oh yeah, yeah. But he didn't know anything. He didn't know. All he didn't that.
0: understand that. I explained well, the process. He says, "He says, well, that's that's what Chase is doing. That's what we're doing to people."
1: You know, I, I was sitting in Swamp Court, which is our magistrate court here in this little town of mine, and there was a case before the judge uh, with World Finance. And this lawyer was going after this young couple for just an absolutely ridiculous amount on a truck that wasn't worth half that. And the judge actually said to the attorney, look. I'm not an ex-lawyer. I'm not even a lawyer. I'm an ex-banker. This is our magistrate judge. And he says, I know all about predatory lending, and I don't like it.
5: The judge said that?
1: Yeah. Blew me away. And I thought, for once, this lawyer this company, that, that is what they do, pred- major predatory lending, and he comes in front of this little magistrate judge, thinks he's going to get an automatic uh, judgment on these people, and ends up in front of an ex-banker that knows exactly what he's all about.
5: Oh, no. Now,
1: now that was an experience. Oh, but- I bet. You know, unfortunately, most of the courts are not ex-bankers. It's up to us to inform the courts on what's going on.
0: Yeah, but your yeah. Maggie, your your friends, if, if they want to get serious about defending, they, they need to get into the website themselves. You can't do it for them. Don't even try. You okay. just can't. Because if they ever end up having to deal with somebody... Uh, You know, show up at court sometime or anything. You can't do that for them. They have to be the ones, and they have to understand it, and they have to uh, be able to go in and you know make whatever argument they're making at the time. They, you know, and and this is. You you may think, well, you know, I don't think they can do it, and you know, I'll, I'll you know I'll do it for them. You can't. You just can't. It will not work. They have to learn it. You can help them. You know, mm-hmm. because of your experience and everything you've been through. But you can't do it for them. Please don't even try.
5: Okay. Um, well, they gave me a copy of, of the letters that they got from them, and, and I, I just went and got them while I was listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the one from the bank uh, is thanking them for their prop- prompt response. Uh, it's the recent request for their additional documents that are necessary to complete their loan modification, the review of it. And then it says all of the documents are received and considered complete. And then they'll take um, up to 30 days to determine if they're eligible. Uh, it says what you can expect now that you've submitted this complete document package is that the bank name is Caliber, which I've never heard of. I think they're out of Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma City. Um, It says it will not initiate or continue with the foreclosure of the above-referenced property while you're um, conducting loss mitigation review of your loan. They will contact you if you qualify and then explain a trial mod to them. Um, if your loan is currently subject to a court action, the proposed modified loan terms may require, may be required to be approved by the court. Well, it's not in court, so that wouldn't. Apply. Yeah. Right well, now. evidently
0: they're they they haven't start initiated any legal stuff.
2: Yeah. But then who, they who is moving all the
0: paper or whatever around the microphone? That's really nice. oh. I-
5: That might be me. I moved the paper out from underneath
6: my phone.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
6: that makes a lot of noise. Now, are Um, they the lender or the servicer?
5: This um, caliber. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's one thing I told them we need to find out because they haven't always been with this company.
6: Um, Well, then they're the servicer, but the question is, do they own the loan? The loan could be owned by Fannie, Freddie. Uh, could be in a private securitization trust. It, you know, could be owned by another government agency, Ginnie Mae. Um, mm-hmm. It could be owned by a pool of investors. It could be owned by this bank or another bank. And this company, if if they've just taken over handling it, is probably just the servicer and doesn't own it because they from what i see looking at their webpage they're based out of Irvine, Texas and yes they originate loans and they service them but i don't think they're a portfolio lender where they own the loans um, so you need to send those letters to find out especially the QWR that's going to be and then don't be surprised once you send a QWR and a debt validation letter to a servicer if they don't like shove it off to someone else
0: yeah, it's interesting here. I'm at the website as well, John. Um divisions, wholesale. Yep. You see that? I thought that was kinda interesting.
6: Well then when you go in a little further, uh you can see trouble paying, financial hardship assistance, upload documents, hardship documents. So they're they're yeah. they're soliciting information that otherwise if they were suing you they'd have to do discovery to obtain. They're asking people to hand them this information. It's not to say that they won't give a, a, a loan modification, but generally when people can't pay in the first place, uh, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to qualify for a modification.
0: Yeah, in most cases, that's that's going to be very true.
6: Right. Maybe you get a little bit of forbearance, you know, where you tell them, well, you know, I'm temporarily laid off and, you know, they're going to hire me back when the season comes, blah, blah, blah. And so they give you, you know, a few months where they just add on the fees and extra costs and all this other stuff to your account and let you start up again, maybe forbearance. But, um, you know, once you once you are unqualified they'll ask you if you want to do a short sale or a deed in lieu of foreclosure in other words hand us the keys and we won't call you in court or you know find someone to buy it and if we you can't get enough to pay the loan off from the purchase you know tell us how much it is and we'll consider maybe you know writing off a loss or seeing how much money you can pull out of your pocket to pay us you know they try stuff like that
5: Okay. Um. All right. Well, I'll let them know that, and uh, let them know about the phone calls and the website, and see if um, you know, if they'll do it, if they'll um, join and listen in on the phone calls and that.
6: But how the bad meantime, do they want
1: to save the house?
6: <laughs> right. Some people. Yeah. Some people. Some people will pay the money to join and some people will call and listen on the phone calls but unless people make the effort to you know study and type the documents up and send them nothing happens it takes action but one, but a little bit of action can provide enormous results just sending the debt validation letters and the proper QWRs can provide enormous results And, you know, a loan that's already securitized might be shuffled between three or four or five different servicers. But before anyone really does anything, because you're already telling them, hey, buddy, I'm going to put up a fight. I'm going to put up a real fight here because most people don't do that. Most people roll over and cry and, you know, hand the keys. Just don't bring me in court. You know, I'll, I'll move into a tent in the park. Just don't, you know. Don't do that to me. But people that are willing to put up a fight, the lenders look and they go, you know, it's going to cost us more money and time. And it's easier to go for the low hanging fruit. It's, It's easier to get the fish that jump right in our boat than having to set a, you know, bait on a line and put it out in the water and be patient and try to hook one. You've seen the pictures of people going down those rivers where the salmon jump right in the boat. That's what, the, that's what the, oh, yeah. most of the lenders are looking for. So they, they really need to take a look at the website and apply themselves. And we're here to for people that genuinely make an effort. We can ask questions, but no one's going to do the work for them. And you can't do the work for them. They've got to fight their own fight. You can you can talk to them and give them encouragement and work with them, but you can't do the work for them because eventually you got to go in front of a judge.
5: Yeah, I told him that. I said, I can't do this for you because that's considered... Um,
0: Illegal. Practicing law. <laughs> practicing law uh, yeah. <laughs> UPL. <laughs> and yeah. You've already had a little brush with that, haven't you?
5: Um, just a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and you don't want to do it again, do you?
5: No, uh uh-uh. oh. I think no. I'm I'm getting to be pretty popular in the federal court. So.
2: <laughs> one other
6: thing. One other thing for people that are in your friend's boat is, you know, okay, you can't do it for him. This, that, and the other. The next thing they turn to is these attorneys that say we can stop foreclosure. Well, yeah, I just said you could do it yourself, but they'd rather pay someone to do it. The attorney goes, How much is your mortgage payment? And they say, Well, it's $2,000 a month. Well, great. For $800 a month, I'll take your case. So suddenly you're making payments to them, and they're doing stuff that you could do yourself for basically free. And at the end of the road, when the attorney would really have to do some work, they're going to dump your case, and then you're going to be screwed. No one, no one is going to fight for you like you will yourself if you're going to fight.
2: Mm -hmm. And in the
6: meantime, they could be squirreling money away in the bank for dealing with the situation if they do eventually lose the house instead of paying it to an attorney or someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yep. have
0: Have them get in the website. That's what they got to do. And get in um, here and ask the questions themselves.
5: I, um, I'll I'll be talking to him again later this week in two or three days, so I'll let him okay. know then. Okay. Um, this this letter that, that they got from the um, law firm um, down here at the bottom, it says, and I just noticed this, the creditor to whom the debt is owed is the Bank of New York Mellon.
6: There you go.
2: There you go. So what's
5: caliber for how do you say it, City or just C I T mortgage, loan, trust?
6: They've got a securitized loan. Let me tell you, that that is like a gift. There are people there are people on this call that wish they had a clearly securitized loan like that that identif- identifies a portfolio that they that they purport to be in because there are certain procedures you can follow 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 with that and literally um you know there's no way the other side can win you can just keep them at bay for years
5: wow
6: Jessie,
2: and that,
6: and that pops all three, on the website jesse has I've, won three houses that way himself the guy that whose website, is, he's won three this year in court where they were securitized loans like that, and he beat them.
0: Yeah, that was two years ago he did that, but it was three of them in four months on his own properties. You know, he doesn't do it for other people. He did it on his own properties.
6: So, uh-huh. like
0: John, what John said, these people need to get in here. They, You already got some good information to... Uh, to help them with things, but they need to learn how to use, utilize it.
6: Right. The fact the lawyer put that in there is like a gift from God. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. <Is it? laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. There, there's
6: some of us that would just be going to town with that. No pro- The lawyer will be dumping the case, and the, the servicer is going to shift it off to another servicer. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay.
5: All right. Well, um, now on this letter, sooner than later.
6: Uh huh. Tell them sooner than later. Tell them tomorrow. This is a, this is important. Time
0: yeah, is time, is, time time is important here. Okay, I the, was the, just
5: uh, going to uh, say this letter is <laughs> dated the 16th of August, and and right underneath where it, it told about the bank of New York Mellon, it says you have 30 days to dispute the validity of the debt.
0: Well, that's why they got to send their debt validation letter.
6: That's uh, what John was just saying.
1: Today's the 12th. There's four days.
6: 20, tomorrow's the 28th. The 15th is the 30th. They need to do this tomorrow. Tomorrow or in the mail, Wednesday at the latest. Certified, recir- certified return receipt mail.
0: It's no excuses be for being late because it will make no a difference.
6: Excuses, especially the letter to the law firm. That is, uh, forget the other ones at the moment. I mean, I'd send them to them all. But most importantly, responding to that letter in writing it with, a, with a debt validation letter dated either the 13th or the 14th, stamped certified return receipt to that law firm. You've got to do it tomorrow, Wednesday at the latest. Or else what the letter says is then we'll assume the debt's correct. And they're going to file a lawsuit.
0: Right. Now, that means uh Maggie, that means that you don't date the letter and then mail it, you know, Friday. That means it has to be to the post office and be postmarked on that date.
6: The the certified the certified return receipt slip, the the green and white slip that they give you when you mail it off needs to be stamped with a round dater. You know, the thing the post office uses it stamps the date on there. That needs yeah. to be stamped when they pay for it at the counter tomorrow or Wednesday at the latest.
0: Yeah. And they have That's to make it. sure they keep all of that stuff as evidence. They can't just That's throw it on a desk and have it get lost. Well, right. oh, I know it was here somewhere but I can't find it. that doesn't work at trial.
6: When you write the debt validation letter, you make sure you put it in the top that, that it's being sent via certified return receipt letter and the certif you know sent via certified number dot, 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 whatever the number on the certified slip is, and then return receipt requested. And the new green cards, the new certified return receipt cards, have a tracking number on there too because you can track it outbound and track it inbound. And you need that green card if you go to federal court to prove it was received. It's proof. You can read in O'Connor's federal rules. It states right in there. You need the green card to prove it was received.
0: But they need okay. to get it done now, like, yep,, and okay. just if they could do it tonight, it wouldn't be too soon, right,
5: well, then I'll call him, I'll call them in the morning, yep, and uh, talk to her.:
0: yeah, yeah, see, this is this is what's so important. These people get this well, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. tick, 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 tick. I just don't know what we're going to do, tick, 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 ding. you just ran out of time, and you screwed yourself. Mhm, you cannot screw around with this stuff. you've got to get moving they they if they wanna save their property or at least hang on in there as long as they possibly can they they gotta get off their duff and move like right now. That's just the way it is i mean you know if if they're not up to that then they don't wanna uh they don't wanna hang on to their house bad enough.
5: No, I guess not. So, All right, I will call her in the morning.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, Maggie. Appreciate you helping other people, too.
5: Okay. Thanks a lot for helping me.
0: You bet. Take bye care.
7: Bye.
0: Okay. Now, we've got two other people here in the queue, and uh, we'll go through those, and then we're going to wrap it up for tonight. We are going to go to guest four. You are unmuted. Go ahead.
3: Hey, Dave. How you doing tonight?
0: I'm just wonderful.
3: Good deal, good deal. I'll trade with you. How about that? <laughs> uh, I'm nervous as a cat. You, you.
0: You sound You sound real muffled.
3: I'm sorry, because this ain't better?
0: Yes, that is better.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous as a long-tailed cat in a rocking chair factory, bud. Uh-huh. uh <laughs> I am your prime candidate of uh, somebody else doing all the work, and now i got to go in front of the court. Uh, uh Well, I mean, I've, I know what I know. I've caught what I can in everything. But anyway, uh, can I give you a brief rundown of where we're at?
0: Yeah, yeah. Give us an overview here.
3: Okay. We're, we'll uh, run
0: a little over on the time here. You know, when when we have people, we've had some longer discussions. But uh, go ahead.
3: Well, hopefully by the time I get to the end, it won't take too long. Uh April of 2015, we got a demand for for payment from Cavalry. Uh, we returned a, uh, a demand for validation. Uh, this went on, you know, nothing nothing ever really showed. They well they uh, sent a uh, what appeared to be a, a credit card statement. Just one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, this went on uh, December of last year. Uh, got a summons to court. Uh, we turned in a sworn denial, a uh, and a motion to dismiss.
0: Okay. Uh, now, instead of saying turned them in, you filed them in the case. Okay. Let's, let's get used to using the proper t- terminology. You you filed a sworn denial. And uh, motion to dismiss. And in a motion to... Okay. okay. All right.
3: Uh, let's see. got that in. Uh, filed it. Excuse me. We got that filed. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's see. Uh, later on, we uh, filed a federal suit and uh, applied for of pauperis. And... Uh, Evidently, oh, did I mention we got a summons in December? Yeah, okay.
0: yeah. You said you got the summons in December, yep. and you did the sworn denial and a motion to dismiss, right? In March. Uh, in March. Uh, yeah.
3: Got the summons. Turned in the. Uh,
0: well, no, no. Wait a minute. You said you you got served in December. Uh, yes. When did we, you?
3: Well, we applied. We applied for an extension
0: due to
2: a oh, holiday. Okay.
3: All right. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. Filed for a federal lawsuit. Uh, got informal progress approved. Evidently, uh, that lawyer, I don't got tagged via Pacer or, or whatever, but he calls me up and offers to uh, dismiss this case here in state chancery if i this dismiss federal. Okay. How much uh, was
0: their lawsuit for?
3: Uh, 29,000 and something. Actually, yeah, they're, they're stating one amount on their complaint and another on that statement that they sent.
0: Okay. But it's around 29,000? Yeah. Okay, and then he contacted and you to,
3: and, and said, it,
0: "Yeah, but he he said that if you'll drop the federal lawsuit, we'll drop the uh, state lawsuit, right?" Correct. Okay, so okay. what happened from there?
3: Well, I, uh, yeah, I come back with a monetary settlement along with uh, dismissing the lawsuits, and they didn't want to go that route. Well, about a week later, we had to go as one of them traveling judges that bounces around. Uh, We had to go in front of him to set a date to hear the motion to dismiss. Okay. While I'm there, some lawyer, attorney, whoever, representative, that I had never heard of, and he wouldn't even tell us who he was uh stood up when my case came up. but anyway, the uh the judge uh said to uh, listen to the motion to dismiss in about oh nine hours from now. <laughs> so uh, I now don't he know said if,
0: he said what? We're gonna listen we're gonna uh, do the no, motion to dismiss in nine hours?
3: No, no. They said this was uh, uh, like a week after me and the lawyer had discussed settlement, yeah okay uh i had I had to go in front of the court. they had x days, like I said, this is one of them traveling judges on Well, that court. doesn't make any
0: difference, you you went before a judge, yeah,
3: right, and so the date we set to hear the motion to dismiss is tomorrow, okay. Okay, Uh, like I said, the lawyer had already called, or we would already discussed settlement, but they didn't want to involve any money, but anyway, we served them on the federal lawsuit. Uh, Two of them got it Friday, one of them got it today. Okay, anyway, I've got to go in front of the judge in the morning on the motion to dismiss. All right. Uh,
0: so uh, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do tomorrow, right?
3: Well, yeah. I'm just—I don't know if I'm looking for prayers, pointers, or a, a pep Okay. Okay. I'll take all three.
0: Okay. I'll tell you exactly what I would do. I would—I uh, would talk to that lawyer tomorrow and say I've reconsidered, and if you'll uh, drop dismiss your lawsuit, I'll dismiss uh, you drop your lawsuit with prejudice and I'll dismiss the federal suit. Now, why am I telling you to do that? Because I don't think you're fully prepared from gathering from our conversation that you're fully prepared to really deal with a battle with them. And you're getting rid of a $29,000 debt for nothing,
6: I second that
0: motion get rid of, uh, get rid of their lawsuit. walk away from it, and be happy that you don't get a judgment against you for twenty nine
2: uh, well, thousand dollars you yeah, well,
0: okay now, how much? How much money were you wanting? them? you know, you said that uh, you wanted some money, and then dismiss it. How much did you tell him you wanted?
3: Just the uh, statutory uh, fines on the federal thousand dollars, three defendants thousand dollars each. Uh
0: huh. Well, they—that's all they'd have to pay if they went to court.
3: Correct.
0: But the fact that they're trying to hit you for twenty-nine thousand dollars—if it was—if yours was fourteen hundred bucks. I'd say, well, you know, maybe you want to go ahead and, and you know, argue it and see what you can do. But for twenty nine thousand dollars for you to get rid of that and have them dismiss that suit against you, and you didn't even have to pay the four hundred bucks to file your lawsuit, literally you're getting rid of the twenty nine thousand dollar potential judgment for nothing.
2: Right. I'd jump
0: on that in a blue dog second. Uh... I absolutely would.
3: Okay, well, this, yes. What, what actually can I expect in a motion to dismiss? Well, you and, you put okay. in a motion
0: to dismiss,
3: yeah. and
0: the 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 and you had to have reasons why, right? Right. Okay. Well, the court's gonna go. Well, um, you know, Mr. So and So. I see you've got a motion to dismiss here, and you said it should be dismissed because of this and that and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, well, I, I find that the uh, plaintiff has uh, filed a legitimate uh, lawsuit, so I'm going to let this move forward, and I'm going to schedule a uh, uh, a pretrial conference in 60 days. And then you're going to be going, holy crap!
2: Well,
3: uh, well uh, what if it's this lawyer that uh, showed up the last time that I don't even know who he is? It,
0: it, it doesn't, it doesn't, what you've got to do is you want to talk to the lawyer before you ever have that judge entertain that motion. So and odds,
3: odds are it wouldn't get granted, huh?
0: I I think the chances of your motion to dismiss being granted are real, 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 real close to
3: zero.
2: Even though they only had a affidavit.
3: Even though they only had an affidavit. Well a can a you, you, affidavit. You, you,
0: Well you, you have to you have to understand what the what the courts do. The other thing is I'm I'm sitting here, I'm looking at you being able to get rid of that twenty nine thousand dollar debt for nothing. Mhm, I mean, like I said, if it was you know fourteen fifteen seventeen hundred bucks, that's one thing oh right. twenty nine thousand dollar judgment on you uh, how would you deal with that All right. that uh, that'd be a pretty tough deal, wouldn't it
3: Well, it would uh, yeah
0: sometimes sometimes it's best to just make something go away. And you always got to weigh the circumstances. And, and like I say, I'm just telling you what I would do if I were in your shoes. If I was looking at, okay, I've got my, I've got my hands out in front of me right now, literally, as I speak here. I have my hands out in front of me, and it's, it's like I, I look at my hands as the scales of justice. On the one side is I've paid nothing for this lawsuit. I didn't even have to pay the $400 filing fee. The other side is $29,000 that I might get hooked with. And they said, if I'll dismiss my suit, that didn't cost me anything, and they'll go away, and I don't have to worry about getting hit for $29,000. That scale is so badly screwed from one side to the other. It's like a teeter-totter with a... 700-pound man on it, on one end, and a fly on the other end.
6: You forgot the pain of having to defend a lawsuit when they're suing you, and the lawsuit he'll have going in federal court against them, the stress and strain and trying to play catch up and all the rest. And if they're just about to get a judgment on him, they'll be executing on the judgment and doing all kinds of other painful stuff. He doesn't want to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Take, they'd be, they'd the be cars looking cars to come and take your assets out, and everything else. Attention. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: They, it, it just to, to me with what you've said here, the fact that they said, well, if you you dismiss your free lawsuit and twenty nine thousand bucks goes away, I I I don't need four milliseconds to figure out what I do there. Yep. I drop that lawsuit in a blink. Yep.
2: All mm-hmm. right.
0: That's and, but but, um,
3: but given your don't situation don't, tomorrow,
0: I would be talking to that lawyer before you ever got up in front of that judge. I find I'd find out who the lawyer is. You know, ask around. You know, are are you here for the so and so case? You know, are you here for the so and so case? You know, I'd like to talk to you. Go out, and, go out in the hallway and say, well, Mr. Jones, the the, the other attorney had uh, indicated that uh, he would uh, uh, be willing to dismiss this suit if I dismiss my federal suit, and uh, I've given a due consideration. And I feel that's uh, in the best interest of both parties. I'm I'm willing to, uh, if if you'll dismiss your suit, uh, I will dismiss the federal lawsuit with prejudice.
6: And you need to dismiss
0: yours with prejudice as well.
6: Generally, when you go there there 's a bailiff outside the courtroom that 's looking for people, and they check off if the plaintiff and defendant are there in each case, and then they call each each case up in turn so if the lawyer, If the bailiff can point you to the lawyer that 's going to save you some time, and they can usually push you back on the docket if they if the bailiff can say they 're having a settlement discussion. Uh, Which okay. the court likes to hear that. So it's not like don't let them push you in there. Try to have a settlement discussion. Yeah, yeah.
0: Talk to them out in the hall or you know in a private room or whatever, but make your deal there and just tell them. And I've if- reconsidered. I've I've recon. You know, I've thought about this and I've reconsidered, uh, and I I just decided that I would take him up on his offer. He said that uh, he, the, he would dismiss your lawsuit and I would dismiss mine. I will do that as long as both of them are dismissed with prejudice. Uh, and,
6: and what you can do is both parties go into the courtroom and you say that, you know, this case, you know, pending, pending a final settlement agreement, we've come to terms. And the court will reset the hearing for a future date if you don't finalize those terms, And if that lawyer that's there happens to be a rental lawyer or not part of that firm or not familiar with the case, make him get on his cell phone and call the the main lawyer in the firm. Or just, you know, let's go in together and say we've come to terms on this with a settlement agreement pending final written agreement. And we'll report back in 15 days, Your Honor.
3: Okay. So you don't think they would... uh... Come off with the three grand to no. avoid federal.
0: I I wouldn't I wouldn't even try and push that forward. Given your circumstances, okay. I would I would play let's make a deal here. I'd have my Monty Hall hat on so quick.
6: <laughs> <laughs> because one of the things you gotta consider is just because this law firm drops the lawsuit doesn't mean another law firm can't come and sue you but you can make it part of the agreement that no one can sue you they'll have to go back to their client or something or you might find that this law firm if it's a real crummy debt collector law firm they've bought into the debt you know they've bought into it and then they won't sell it to anyone else you want you know but just deal with it the best you can tomorrow
0: yeah, yeah. Just you, you'll you'll dismiss with prejudice, and they have to do likewise. And then it all goes away, and they can't come back after you again.
3: Well, and actually, uh, if I'm mistaken, this can this is actually going to be out of the uh, statute limitations. But by...
0: they already filed the lawsuit. As long as they filed the lawsuit.
3: Right. Uh, Before the statute of
0: limitations, then it's captured.
3: But if this one's gone, though, But nobody else could actually come back after me.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's just simple. Just tell him, you know, he's the one that uh, said, you know, we'll drop our soda if you drop yours. To me, on a $29,000 deal, that's a good deal. Yeah.
3: All righty, gentlemen. Well, I okay. sure appreciate you. And okay. Well, thank good you luck. for everything and keep up the good work, boys. All righty. Thanks. Uh, take care.
0: All right. Well, we got one more, and we're going to the great state of Texas for this call. That is hey, a great guys, state. You, Hi,
7: Keisha. <laughs> Hi, Keisha. How are you all?
0: I'm starting to get a little tired. It's getting to be late 30 here.
7: I know, me too. Um, So really quick, I have a question. Um, I have, like, I guess a couple of them. But the first question I have is, you know, I did my appeal in county court, and I had eight days to file my answer, which I did. But I've looked for the rules um, on how long, you know, the plaintiff has to respond and everything um, with the, you know, with my answer and the, my affirmative. Well, no. You, no wait a second. In. You
0: say your answer in affirmative defense is you filed the lawsuit, so you're no, not no, no, putting no, no, an no. answer uh-uh. in.
7: Uh-uh, uh uh-uh. They filed the lawsuit. I'm the defendant. It's regarding my forcible detainers. So I didn't appeal. I didn't oh, appeal. Uh, oh, so I'm oh okay. 24. All right. Yeah. All right. So, um, but I don't. I looked online, there's nothing in there that tells me how how long they have before they can, you know, um, before they have to file, I guess, a response to my answer. And then I called the the county court clerk and even asked about discovery, and they said they don't have discovery in county clerk. This is, like, really weird to me because I've never had to uh, – you know deal with anything like this because what do you mean they the court don't court have discussion?
0: discovery in yes. court. of course they, they said do.
7: listen listen this is what they said dave that if you want discovery you just have to send whatever it is to the other side you don't file it in the court or nothing they don't take no you, no you they never file no it into the court
0: right
7: um they don't have any involvement with discovery at all usually like in federal court or either you know even with um uh small claims I have to put a motion in to get discovery before I can make it. Right, For,
0: that's what I was going to say. For small claims, they you don't. have to. But when it goes up they to the don't. next level, they got level one discovery in, in your state courts.
7: Yeah, so basically, what I was told today is I just have to initiate the discovery on them on what I want to ask them. Yeah. It doesn't come through the court. So I was like, oh, okay. No,
0: so no, you, gonna... no, your discovery does not go through the court just like in federal. It's outside yeah.
7: of the, the court. Um, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just start my discovery on that end and, you know, uh, start it tomorrow with writing my stuff up. So I yep. can send it to the other side. But um, I I was a little baffled on the fact that I didn't find anything in the rules on the k- com website for the local rules on the response or how long well, Karen, this?
0: if there's no local rules, then it defaults to the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure. Okay. Okay. So
7: that's what I wasn't sure about because I was like, yeah. I'm looking on that. I don't. Yeah. Remember,
0: you're you're operating when you're in a state court. You're operating under the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure. Then you have to look and see if there are any local rules that modify any of those. Just like your local rules in federal court would uh, potentially modify the uh, federal rules of civil procedure. But otherwise, okay. in, in the court that you're okay. on, I mean, even when you're in magistrate's court, small claims, you're still operating under the Texas Rules of Civil Procedure, but there's only like about eight rules that apply to the justice courts. The other right. courts, as far as I know, uh, the entire uh, you know, group of Texas Rules of Civil Procedure apply there. Now, I believe you're going to be doing your stuff, uh, and I think you have to state that and stuff uh, that you're uh, doing your discovery uh, under Level One discovery. So okay. look up in look up in discovery under Texas Rules of Civil Procedure Level One and uh, see what uh, you find there to delineate it because they've got. They've got a couple different levels, I believe, for uh, discovery.
7: Yeah, they have and three levels.
0: Yeah, and, and I have no idea what it, how it's broken out, why why they have those, and what you can do in one, one, the other. I've never never gotten involved in that.
7: Okay. Yeah, I looked at those for um, Texas rules of okay. those, uh, civil procedure, so um, I'll I'll go back through them again. So that was my okay. first question, but um, this is my next question is. Um, Okay, so I have a motion to dismiss regarding my federal lawsuit against the bank and everybody so mm-hmm. um now, I've been waiting uh well, I have to do a response now because it's just actually the judge uh had been sitting for a minute before um you know he ended up doing an uh, sending an order for me to amend my complaint um from the last motion to dismiss but in my in my um Complaint, I wrote, um, okay, that a Plains Capital Company, which, and it says the nominee, MERS, misrepresented a memorialization of a purported true sale of a purported underlying indebtedness uh, deposit account on the note on June 28, 2012, by recording a purported assignment of mortgage nearly two years after the closing of the trust. Um, which I had a private investigator that looked and got all this information for me and found that it was in the – well, I already knew on the website it said Guinea-May was the investor and Wells Fargo Home Mortgage was my servicer. But they were able to find that it was the Guaranteed REMAX Pass-Through Securities and MX Securities Guinea-May REMAX Trust 2010-144. So they were able to give me all this information. But um so I put that in there and then I said plaintiff disputes all uh signatures on this assignment of mortgage as legitimate and as parties authorized to complete set uh, transaction. Um then I put furthermore that MERS um the mortgage mortgage lookup on MERS website showed that Wells Fargo Home Mortgage uh was the servicer and Guinea May was the investor and not Wells Fargo Bank N.A. So in John Kenneth Buckeye, uh, which, you know, signed the assignment of mortgage, um, you know, I I disputed his, you know, signature. I'm getting
0: lost here. I'm getting lost here.
7: Okay, John Kenneth Buckeye, he signed the assignment of mortgage as assistant secretary to MERS. However, he was not employed by MERS so that was just another thing that I put in my um okay my complaint so I just wanted to sh- tell you about that first before I read this response that they just put in for this motion to dismiss and I'm trying to think how I need to respond so um first of all it says that um MERS because let me see it says that um Holding that MERS has the ability to transfer the deed of trust without the note and that the foreclosure party need not to hold the note in order to foreclose, Uh, and then they put a case law there dismissing all claims based on MERS attacks because there was no merit to plaintiff's argument that the deed of trust and note were split in parentheses because there is no support under Texas law for plaintiff's allegations for this claim and it should be dismissed. So, um, you're
0: going to have to find case law to to counteract that.
7: Okay, okay. And so, um, then the second part was that um, it said that, however, numerous federal courts have concluded that MERS assignments are valid and that a borrower lacks standing to challenge the validity of an assignment, a MERS assignment to a borrower, which is not a party. Plaintiffs do not have standing to challenge the assignment of their mortgages because they are not parties to those assignments. Um, And then they give a case law, and then it goes on to say that the Fifth Circuit has recognized a limited exception to this rule, which allows a non-party to challenge an assignment on grounds that would render it void, but that exception does not apply because plaintiff's allegation, even if true, would not render the assignment void but voidable, so I'm trying. I know John usually has some some terms that's related to like um, um that goes with like you know with the foreclosure or housing stuff like that uh, that shows like how I can put that if the if the assignment never happens, it is voidable. Like with the signature if that person never worked for that company. Well,
0: entity. no, it's void. It's not voidable. It's if it never happened.
6: Void, void ab initio. Right. Void from the beginning or before they ever did anything. It's a nullity.
7: Okay, okay. So what they're saying is that at the best that it's voidable, not void. I'm sorry, I
0: read that backwards. That's that's their uh-huh. argument is that it's voidable, and your your argument is that it's uh, it's not. Uh, uh, they they state it's voidable. You're stating that it is void and void uh, ab initio, like John said. Okay. That means from How the beginning. It, it? If if it's a b, and then space i n i t i o.
2: Okay. And
0: goal... and gold. Google that and read and understand the exactly. meaning of it. Okay, and that's Ab voice initio. from
2: the beginning.
7: Okay, and that's voice from the beginning. Okay,
2: right.
7: Because I was like, that doesn't make e- I'm not challenging. You know, I'm not challenging the assignment. I'm challenging the validity and legitimate signatures on the assignment to say that they you know that they're true, that the assignment actually happened
0: right I'm not sure and if they, they aren't are then then there was no there was no assignment there was no lawful assignment therefore the assignment is a nullity it's a void ab initio it's not voidable you know you can't void something that never existed in the first place that's right. the difference voidable means oh well there's something here but that can be voided out uh, void and void ab initio means it never existed to begin with, so how can you avoid something that never happened
7: right so how would so how can I add into this too that shows that you know this this basically this assignment um that or this sale this transfer that occurred from the original um pretender lender to the trust you're
0: gonna are you aren't you gonna argue it as being void because of trust. the, the signature okay
7: well yeah, I'm putting the signature in there. I'm saying but would I have to also show like put anything in here from Guinea, like Prime Linden to Guinea May which is the trust?
0: I yeah, I, I don't May know I I don't know all the details well, of what you've got. I mean you you just gotta you have to argue what they put in there head on.
2: Okay. You know, just like
0: you always have.
7: Yeah, I know. It just comes to you know. Again, it'd be like the house, so I want to make sure with stuff. Want to make sure it's right. Okay, so I'll do that. I'll just go through and I'll write that up. So that was the yeah.
0: Read, yeah, and read the you know, as you know, read that case law they put in and see what it really says. Oh yeah, says.
7: I am. I, it, there's a lot, so I have a few days. Yeah, long and long especially that
0: Fifth Circuit. Want. Yeah. And because they they could be BSing you big time on that.
7: Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Okay. All right, that's all I have. Thanks, guys. Okay.
0: Thank you, dear. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, everybody. Uh, we ran a half hour over tonight, but, uh, hey, that's all right. We're We're uh, we're here to help people, and we had people with good, legitimate questions that uh, I think got the benefit of uh, being able to ask them tonight. So I want to thank everybody. Thank you, John. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate you guys being with me, and uh uh, helping cover things tonight. Uh, tomorrow night there is an open call on Blog Talk Radio, and you can find that by going to blogtalkradio.com B-L-O-G, forward slash W-L-I-Y-D. starts at 8 o'clock Eastern, and uh, you'll probably hear my voice because I'm going to be moderating that call, and I think you'll probably hear John and Terry as well. So uh, come and join us tomorrow night if you've got questions uh, that you didn't get answered tonight or you think of some between now and then. Uh, we will be there. And then, of course, uh, on Wednesday for the members of Jesse's website, there's open Q&A at 3 o'clock Eastern time. That's for members only. And if you haven't gotten in there for a dollar, I don't know why you uh, you haven't done it yet, but uh, get with the program, so to speak. Then Wednesday night is Terry's call, as usual, at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. If you're not on her email list, send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Simply say, please put me on the list, and she will get you on there and uh, send you out the reminder. Do that right away now. Don't wait until Wednesday afternoon and expect that you're going to get the info because it won't happen. So uh, thanks again to uh, John and Terry for joining me tonight. hope uh, everybody has a great evening. And uh, those of you that join us tomorrow night, we'll talk to you then. Good night. Good night.